This is the Six Figure Creative Podcast, episode 222. Welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast, where our mission is to help you turn your creative passions into a stable, reliable income. If you're in audio, video, design, photography, or really any other creative field, and you just want to learn from other successful creatives, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood. And if this is your first time listening to the show, this is a show all about answering two of the biggest questions that I think freelancers face when they're in their business. Question one is, how do I get enough clients to be full-time? The second question is, once I have a bunch of clients, how do I get my time back so I'm not stuck working in my business doing a bunch of tedious crap I don't want to do? How do I be more efficient? Today's episode is answering that first question. It's all about what can I do to get more clients? I want to introduce my wonderful co-host for this episode, Mark Eckert. How are you doing today, my dude? I'm doing fine. My cat has been throwing up all day. Boo, cats, boo. Yeah, I'm a dog guy. I didn't even want a cat. Then you got married. She have a cat? Exactly. Yeah, she wanted a cat. We got a cat. I don't like this cat. It knows I don't like it. I say to it every single day, I don't like you. And now throwing up a lot and I have to clean it up. So these are new responsibilities that I just love having. That's when an inside cat becomes an outside cat and stays an outside cat and never comes back in again. I always say, do you want to go outside? Like, it's great out there. Come on, you know, doesn't go. So, you know, I'm stuck. (laughs) It's fine. How is marriage life, man? I mean, you're about a year into it now. Oh, it's awesome. She's the shit. We're going up to Maine next month for like 10 days or something. For what? I've never been to Maine. She hasn't either. And we just want a bunch of lobster and we have a bunch of friends in Portland. It seems cool. So we're just going to eat a lot of seafood and just chill and do nothing and just travel around. I think me and my wife, we looked at flights up to Portland, Maine, and then we realized that hotels are so ridiculously expensive. We got a crazy deal on an Airbnb. Like, so we got the whole thing like for free just from points. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm currently on my trip right now that is, by the time this episode airs, I'm well on that trip. And the reason I like Southeast Asia is, I've probably talked about this a bunch, but like hotels are cheap, like three-star hotels, 40, 50 bucks a night. Four-star hotels, 50, 80 bucks a night. Five-star hotels, 100, 150 bucks a night. You can go up above that, but you can find really good hotels for really cheap prices. It is really cheap to travel over there. So enough about travel, man. Let's transition into the episode we have planned for today. One of the biggest things that I see in our past guests, the most successful people that we've brought on the podcast, the overwhelming theme of all of the quote, like influential designers or illustrators or videographers that we've had on the show, like the best of the best, the people earning the most, the people who have the largest social following and the biggest clout, every single one of them, if you go back and listen to those episodes, have said that their email list was actually their most important asset when it came to the marketing of their business. So I wanted to have a dedicated episode on this. If the social proof of those people alone that we've had on this show aren't enough, and the social proof of just me and Mark both saying that our email lists are each of our most important assets in our own businesses... I want to try to convince you, the listener, who right now, you probably don't have an email list. You probably have considered it at some point, but you're not sure what to do. I want to have an entire episode dedicated to this because like, this is one of the best ways to turn strangers into clients. And I think the thing that keeps people from making the email list in the first place, they think social media is going to be enough to drive their business forward. And man, you were telling me before we even started recording this, Mark, you know, somebody who has like 300,000 followers on YouTube and they're legit followers or subscribers on YouTube. And then YouTube went and changed things up. They put that notification bell that was up to where you now have to subscribe and hit the notification bell, which I'm sure everyone's heard if they ever listen to YouTube. And if they don't have the notification bell on, then they don't notify the subscribers when stuff comes out. So he can't reach his 300,000 subscribers that he has on YouTube anymore because they changed the system. Yeah, it's the same thing with Instagram is like it used to be timeline based and everybody would see it if they were your followers and then they changed it. So like now, I mean, I know people where they get like one or 2% of their followers actually see what they posted. Whereas like on email, you and I have open rates on our email of what, 70 or 80%. And if you have thousands of people on that, everyone sees it. You don't want to be reliant on just like one platform because they can change it whenever they want and you're not their boss. We see things like TikTok these days. We see things like Instagram Reels. Those are the two like big ones right now. And I'm sure others will pop up. And TikTok's right now, at least at the time we record this, is the biggest one, the, the hottest one, the sexiest one. It's the one that a lot of people have successfully used to grow their following but it is 100% based on an algorithm, an algorithm you have no control over. And now the following you've put all this time, effort, energy building up, they control whether or not your followers can see that. And some of these people are past guests that have quarter million people that follow them on social media, 100,000, 150,000 people that follow them on social media, and they could barely reach 10% of that audience or less. And when you look at like average open rates for email lists, Mark, you give a really high number, 70, 80%, something like that. The industry average 
is like 20 to 25%, something like that. 30% you're doing okay. Above 30%, you're doing excellent. That is for a single email, by the way. I know my mailing list over a month's time when I send emails out, at least 50% of people interact in those emails in some way, shape, or form, whether opening, clicking, forwarding, whatever. So I can reach half of my followers any given month, whereas on social media, organically, it's less than 10%. Now, there's pros and cons to social media. I'm not saying to ignore this, to not build a following there, but what I am saying is bring those people over to a mailing list. I'm not the only one that's made this argument. Plenty of people have. But the other mistake people make around this is they think that they can just avoid mailing lists altogether. They think that like, hey, since I'm a service-based business, I can do everything one-to-one. I don't need anything one-to-many. I can nurture everyone. I can build trust and credibility. It's all one-to-one. And I think if anything proved that wrong, it's when COVID happened. When COVID hit and you can no longer be around other human beings, we cannot predict the future. And I think even with email marketing, it's not foolproof. That could change in the future as well. I know Apple just introduced some privacy stuff that affects but doesn't hurt email. It just affects reporting and metrics. But honestly, if you're not doing this, this is one of the contributors to something that we've talked about all the time on this podcast is feast or famine, the roller coaster feast or famine. If you are the type of person where you have a good month, followed by a string of bad months and then maybe good months and you're going up and down and it's playing with your emotions, it's hurting your confidence, you're not sure what to do, email list could be really one of the best solutions that you could have for your businesses. And I think a big part of that, Mark, is because with email marketing, social media does this decently well, not that great because it doesn't put you in front of most of your followers most of the time, but it is a really good job of nurturing, meaning staying top of mind over a long period of time. And we talked about this, I think, last week on the show, keeping you top of mind until that 97% who's not ready to buy right now become the 3% who are ready to buy right now. Well, yeah. I mean, as far as like staying top of mind, I mean, TikTok has even said after nine days, your material's shelf. Like they're not going to introduce it to anybody new. Instagram's kind of the same. Facebook's kind of the same. YouTube, it'll stay there for a while. But again, you don't really have much power of who gets introduced to. Email, you're kind of making your own algorithm in a way. It's like, how can I just continue to nurture people? And so to make sure that they know that I'm up to cool stuff that could potentially help them. If you're on the fence about this, you're like, I'm a freelancer. I'm not going to build a mailing list. We have a lot of stuff today that I think is going to help you with that, like get you over the objections or the, the roadblocks that are keeping you from building an email list right now. Most people, they don't know what to say in the emails or they don't know what, what to make as far as a lead magnet. We'll talk through that stuff. But I think the biggest issue here is as freelancers, as creatives, email marketing is used on us, against us even, all the time. How much stuff have you purchased, Mark, over email? Like in my career, I have probably purchased tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars of stuff that was sold to me through email marketing. And I have fortunately also sold hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars worth of stuff through email marketing. I've had it used on me or against me, if you want to say that. Like, I don't buy stuff I don't want or need. I'm not saying it's like this evil thing, but it's used on me. Why can't I use it for my business as well? And I want everyone here listening right now, if you've ever purchased something through email marketing, someone has marketed to you through email, I want you to take that same exact power and use it to your advantage. Use it to your own business's success so that you're not the person who's constantly consuming, but the person who's also producing. A lot of people don't even realize that they're experiencing email marketing every single day, but like, look at Amazon. Oh, you left this in your cart. You know, like there's just so many examples of, you don't even realize like, oh wow, this really did affect me. Like, and you buy, like the majority of stuff that I buy online has an email marketing chain with it. Yeah. So I I think this episode, we're going to dive into like building, growing, And I think most importantly, using your email list, which I think is a part that a lot of people make the mistake of. You grow this list and you never use it. You never email them, which is about as good as not ever building one in the first place. The other thing is email marketing has been around for like a thousand years. And when it comes to internet years, it might as well have been a thousand years because the internet changes so quickly, so rapidly, and things become irrelevant so quickly. The fact that email marketing has stood the test of time for this long is remarkable. And that's why the biggest businesses in the world, like Apple, like Meta or Facebook, Every business in the world that you're on an email list for is investing heavily into email marketing. So why won't you? Like, why haven't you yet? I think you're missing a huge opportunity. And hopefully we can address that in today's episode. So first things first, Mark. First part of building an email list, in my opinion, is what? Putting a thing on my website that says sign up for my newsletter? Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Like, that's definitely the way to do it. Everybody clicks on that. (laughs) If you listen to this episode, take nothing else away except for the fact of like, do not put that on your website. Please, God, do not put that on your website. First thing we're going to talk about today is just creating a valuable lead magnet. I want to put the, the emphasis on the word valuable, creating value. If you create an utter piece of trash that is adding no value to people's lives, 
then there is no reason for them to pay for this. It may be free, but they're paying for it. They're paying with their email address, with their time and attention, with their trust that you're going to deliver on the value you're promising. So we need to create a valuable lead magnet. Mark, we were talking before this, you were saying identify problems that keep them up at night. What do you mean by that? Back in the day when I was primarily producing full-time, like producing music, I worked with indie pop artists um, and synth pop artists. And if you look at an indie pop or synth pop artist in comparison to a pop artist, pop artists usually have more of a budget. Indie pop artists, you know, they're kind of DIYing it and they want to be able to market themselves and they may not have the budget to do it. So at night, they're going to sleep and they're like, oh, wow, I have really great music. I love this record, but like, I don't even know if anybody this thing and I don't really have the money to do it myself. And so what I did is I went out and I actually interviewed a bunch of PR agents that work with big artists and I wrote down everything that they did and I printed it into a PDF. It was a book that you could open iBooks or whatever. And I just offered it out for free for everybody. It just put in your email and you'll get this free download. And that made me hundreds of thousands of dollars because everybody just immediately trusted me in that space. And artists were like, wow, this is like the nicest thing ever. Thank you so much for the help. The way I like to approach this, and this is overly simplified, but it's, this is a podcast episode. I'm not going to give you a full like three hour masterclass on this, <laughs> like on creating a lead magnet. Maybe I could in the future, if anyone wants that, just let us know and we'll maybe do something like that. But the simplest version is just finding problems that keep them up at night. I like that visual. Like what are they like sitting in, in bed thinking like, God, if I could solve this problem, I would give someone a million bucks. But you don't have to solve the entire problem. Just solve 10% of it. In most cases, as freelancers, we're not probably not capable of solving the entire big picture problem they have. Think about this. As a freelancer, I'm just going to pull a, a random example out. If I am a photographer and my clients are trying to use headshots that I make or are branded shots that I use on their social accounts to grow their businesses or grow their influence, the problem that keeps them up at night is like, how do I grow my social following maybe is a thing that those people want, that my clients want as a photographer or a videographer maybe. I can't probably solve the entire problem of growing their social following, but I might be able to solve just 10% of that. What's one small piece of that that I can pull away that is genuinely appealing and helpful to my client that'll get them part of the way there. It'll either start it or it'll finish it. I don't know what it would be in this specific random example I put on my ass here, but what are some lead magnets you've seen work in your life? You mentioned the Indie Pop Cookbook. How long was that? Well, actually I ended up renaming it. Indie Pop Cookbook was actually for a different lead magnet that I made, but for this specific one that was like really successful, I just called it release strategy. That was it. Simple. Okay. It was release strategy. And then I updated it every single year. I like added an interview or something like that. Another one that I made, which was originally called Indie Pop Cookbook. And then I renamed it as just performing live. Just super simple is Indie Pop artists don't have the budget for huge backing bands and like, you know, live sound people that tour with them. So it was just a, guide on how they could run their own live show with backing tracks. And both of those really solved all of the problems. And the cool thing is, is that it kept talking back of like, yeah, you know, artists that I work with, I help them with this sort of thing. And then they were like, ah, I need more help. And so I'm going to reach out to Mark. And that was it. I have a buddy, Daniel Cunningham, who was on this podcast earlier. He does a lot of corporate photo shoots for headshots. That's something that he loves doing. And so he has made like a couple blog posts and stuff like that about how to make your employees feel cool. And essentially by making them feel cool, they want to stay at the company longer, get up, spend their nine to five at a company that's just lame to be at that. Everyone's like, ugh, they want to like feel cool. That's why people will take on terrible jobs at cool companies. You know, back in the day before Facebook had a bad reputation, if you worked at Facebook, it was super cool, but they would work you into the ground. <laughs> you know, it wasn't a fun job by any means, but you looked cool. So tech people would do that. That's like getting signed to a major label. It's not a great deal, but people want to look cool. So he made a thing of like how to make your employees feel cool, help them with this, that, that, and that. And then it was like, we do incredible photo shoots for all of your employees and it helps your company grow because everybody starts learning, but they start sharing the photos, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, that's been a great strategy for him. I'll give you a couple more examples just for anyone who's kind of like still not sure about this. First of all, again, just start with a problem. Think about all the problems that your ideal clients are wanting to solve in some way, shape or form. It may not keep them up at night. That's ideally what you would do is find one that's like a really like a painful problem, but they may not all be that way. One of my coaching clients, he has a lead magnet on the top hundred music venues in 
his local area because his clients, the thing that keeps him up at night is how do I get more gigs in my local area? So he has a lead magnet with all of the venues that are accepting local musicians for gigs. And that's one of his lead magnets has been really successful for him. Another one is podcast producer client that I have. And his clients are business owners, online business owners. And the thing that keeps him up is specifically for his service as a podcast producer is the complexity of launching a podcast that actually helps the business out. So he has created a guide, a checklist, a step-by-step checklist that goes all the things that you need to know to launch your podcast. I have another podcast client who his lead magnet is very similar, but his client wants to 10X their content output. They want to be like the Alex Ramoses of the internet, the people who are on all platforms at all times, because that type of business owner is, feels like they're behind if they're not on all the platforms, like some of these other bigger people. He has an audio guide, which I thought was super interesting, an audio guide that he created on how to turn one piece of content into 10 or 15 pieces of content and a step-by-step process behind that. So I thought these are like some really cool, unique ways to create lead magnets that are appealing to your ideal client that ideally is also not appealing to your non-ideal clients. To me, a really good lead magnet does just as good a job excluding the bad clients as it does attracting the good clients. So anything else around the creation of the lead magnet that we should probably chat about? What formats do you see working? PDF, video? PDFs, courses, audio. If it's a more sophisticated market, research that you've put together of like, hey, we've seen these as trends. So we're thinking that this upcoming year is going to be the move. So go in this direction. Downloads, uh, if you're in audio, sample packs. If you're in video, making like templates in Adobe Premiere. One of the six-figure creatives best performing, at least as far as sheer downloads, is an asset that I created, which is a pricing calculator. It helps you figure out what, how to price the packages in your business. If you want that, just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash calculator and you can get that specific guide. So I will say one more thing just on this lead magnet thing is I feel that most people tend to overcomplicate this. I am one of those people. They try to put everything under the sun into this guide or this video or this mini course. I probably have 30 plus lead magnets and all my businesses combined. And my tendency is to overcomplicate, which means when people get it, they're either overwhelmed or they put it off for later. That's why I don't necessarily love eBooks, like long eBooks, long courses. I like shorter content that gets to the point quickly and helps solve a problem quickly because if they don't consume the piece of content that they've downloaded, then yeah, you got the lead. You got the email address. If somebody's on your email list, you still have opportunities to build trust and credibility, get them to know you like you trust you later on down the road. But that first interaction isn't strong. It's not as strong as it could have been if they would have consumed and maybe gotten a win out of that content or of that lead magnet. I prefer to keep it as simple as as you feel comfortable with. And everyone has a different threshold. In most cases, people don't underdo this. At least the people that I work with, that I tend to work with higher level freelancers who actually give a damn. So if you don't give a damn, then you need to overdo this. All right, next on the list is you've got this lead magnet created. Obviously, that's going to take you some time. I would say ideally spend no more than 10 hours on it. If you spend more than 10 hours on it, you're probably overdoing it. But now we need to create a funnel. That's the second step in this. Because if you don't have a funnel in place to promote this lead magnet, it's going to be very difficult for you to build an email list. Yes, you can share it without a funnel. Yes, there's ways to build without a funnel. Yes, you could just put it on your homepage of your website. Sure, if you want to. But that's not the most effective way. The most effective way to promote a lead magnet and build your mailing list is to have a funnel in place. Am I overstating this, Mark, or do you agree with that? No, you definitely need a funnel for sure. And for anyone who doesn't know what a funnel is, I'll tell you the difference between a website and a funnel really quick. If you go to any freelancer's website, theirwebsite.com, there's usually a menu bar at the top with a bunch of options. There's usually multiple pages to go through. There's usually multiple links on each page. There's a footer with more stuff in it. There's like 30 different options that you could do. Links you could click, things you could do on the site itself, pages you could visit. There's like 30 different variations or more. A funnel has two options. You land on a funnel and you either move forward, meaning you're on the email list, or you leave. That's like the only two options you have when it comes to a funnel. So they're much higher conversion rates. The benchmark I give my coaching clients is I want to see five to 8% of your landing page views turn into leads, meaning they have requested a price from you or a quote from you. On a funnel, I want to see 40% or more landing on that page and giving you an email address. So it's a much higher conversion rate, but these are generally lower quality than like someone reaching out for a price or a quote request. So we're going to create a funnel together. This is harder to do without visuals. So we'll just try to do our best here. But in my opinion, and you can argue with this if you want, Mark, like, cause we all run our businesses differently. We're not, you and I are not clones in business, but I prefer to have a non-scrolling landing page for a lead magnet. I don't think you have, it should have this long page that scrolls down with like, all this information on it. Keep it brief, keep it simple. 
short and to the point. And honestly, like if you want a good example of this, just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash client acquisition guide. I'm breaking my own sins here and doing multiple calls to action in this episode, but whatever. Just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash CAC. That is a good example of like what I consider one of the best practices as far as a template. It gives you the information you need. There's no scrolling involved. And it's a good looking page in my opinion. What are your thoughts around creating a landing page for a lead magnet? If you want like a really good example, it's why Google is better than Yahoo. You go to Google, there's one thing to do. You go to Yahoo, they got news. They got like all these things. Google, you go there, search. That is it. It's amazing actually how they put that together. And that's why Yahoo's value is 4.8 billion, while Google's value is somewhere around 819 billion, probably over a trillion if they aren't right now. Who knows what the economy's doing? But simplicity wins. Like Google's homepage is a really good example of weirdly a funnel. You either take the next step or you leave. There's not a whole lot of options on there. There's like a couple little small options or whatever, but there's not anything crazy. Thank you, Paige. When someone signs up on that page, they put their name and email address in, or sometimes just the email address in. The next page they go to after they sign up is what we call the thank you page. So that's what I'm talking about here. So what is your general best practices, Mark? So you can call it a thank you page. You can call it a confirmation page, whatever you want. But what I try to do is get them to the next step. If they just join the email, what's my priority? Do I want to make sure that they moved the email to priority? So like it doesn't go to spam. Then I'll say, okay, check your email, drag us to priority because we're going to send you something cool tomorrow and we don't want you to miss it. So that could be my number one priority. Some things that other people do, Brian, I've seen you do this as well. On the confirmation page, it's like, okay, check out the YouTube channel because this is a great way to see what's next blah, 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 or whatever. And so a lot of people will try to get them to the next thing. So it's kind of like, how can we get them in our ecosystem as much as possible? So no matter where they are, they know what's going on. So when we got this person to trust us, how can we build this relationship with them as easy as possible? This is going to differ for everyone. And it's going to depend on where your traffic's coming from, which we'll get to traffic later on. But a good next step is, in my opinion, a video making some sort of offer. Like, thanks so much for downloading this. It'll be in your inbox shortly. If you are an X, Y, or Z looking for A, B, or C, then I'd love to potentially work with you. If you're interested, fill out the form below and we can chat more. Again, that's a really simplified version. There's a lot more that goes into like a good VSL or video sales letter, but having something on the page that's like getting them to take the natural next step with you, book a call, fill a quote request form out, something like that. The worst thing you can do is just say thank you. And there's like no link getting them to somewhere else. It's like your email has been confirmed. I've seen that before. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why don't you tell me to go somewhere? Now I'm lost. This is what a lot of marketers will tell you. Your thank you page is some of the most valuable real estate on your website and you cannot waste that opportunity. So what I do for Six Figure Creative, and maybe by the time you're watching this or listening to this, I've changed that. What I've done for a long time is I'm not necessarily looking for a sell on the thank you page. I've tested that. I don't love it. It just doesn't feel right to me. So what I do is, for Six Figure Creative at least, on the thank you page, I'm trying to get them to get deeper into my world. So I say, all right, awesome. Two more things to do. Step one, join our free Facebook community. So there's a link to get into our Facebook community for free. And step two is go check your email for the thing that you signed up for. It's super simple. But generally, like a lot of people sign up to the Facebook group. We have about 10,000 people in there right now. And then they go to their email and get the thing that they downloaded, which is the thing that's going to add value to their life, solve a problem, and then make them closer to knowing, liking, and trusting me, which I think is the whole point of this. I guess the next part of this is after the thank you page, you obviously need automated email delivery. So depending on what your tech stack is, what software you're using, this is going to look different. If you're using something like EasyFunnels, which is my software that I recommend everyone here use, then you can set this all up inside of EasyFunnels. You can add them to an email list. You can deliver the lead magnet straight to their inbox. It's a wonderful system. It's why we created it. But if you're not an EasyFunnels person or you already have a WordPress site, you don't want to move over or Wix or something, there's solutions out there for everyone. Like Mark, you actually use EasyFunnels and then you still use another software for email marketing. So like, there's a million ways to do this. I'm going to twist your arm about that because you can probably do whatever the hell you're doing with your other email marketing software with EasyFunnels, but we don't have to argue about that. Listen, it depends on your goals. And I run thatpitch.com where we license music to YouTubers from producers and artists. We have potentially different needs than different software. So like, there's a bunch of different ones out there and they all have their pros and cons. So you got to figure out what's best for you. 
if you run a software company, it might be good to have an email thing that triggers within software. Like it just, it depends what your needs. There's all of them, but the basic ones, you know, you'll hear of like MailChimp, Drip, ActiveCampaign. Those are great. I do think Easy Funnels is fantastic, specifically like for freelancers. If you're a producer, artist, self-employed by any means, like it's great because you have all the funnels built in and all the e-com is there. So, but yeah, I'm running a software company. I have a little <laughs> bit different needs. Like, I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> in all fairness, FilePass, my other software company is on Easy Funnels as well, but we use we use Intercom because it's like tied into all of our customer support and everything. So we don't pretend to be all things for everybody. So there's power in being niche down. So, so far we've got your lead magnet created. That was step one. Step two is you've created a funnel to deliver that lead magnet. And step three is now we need to promote this. For everyone, this is going to look different. So we have a few thoughts on this. Again, it's just like asking how long is a piece of string? It's as long as you need it to be. It's as long as you want it to be, or it's too short. But we're going to just talk about this. So promoting the lead magnet. Easiest thing to do, first thing to do, put a link in, is a link in your bio on any social media accounts you're active on. That's just easy, low-hanging fruit. Like, I'm not even active on social media. Like, a thousand percent, I am not active on social media. I do have a good amount of followers. And still, my link in my bio generated, I just checked it before this episode, like 15 new leads on that specific lead magnet that I pitched earlier, the client acquisition guide, 15 leads in the last week or two. That is just completely passive, free leads for Six Figure Creative specifically. I'm not paying for it. It's just in my bio link. That's just from that link right there. Do you use like the link in bio like thing, like that actual software, or do you just put it as a link in your bio? I actually think Linktree and like all these multi-link things are dumb. I actually think you should have one place for them to go. The last thing you want, if somebody finally makes the decision to click a link, you want each step to be like, this is the next step. Then that is the next step. Do this, then do that, then do that the least amount of choices is what you want. That's the funnel. So if you have a link tree and you have a 10 different things, usually people go there and they don't press anything. What you want is one thing that you do. So we put a link in our bio for that pitch. I have one for my own Instagram, Mark Eckert, that goes to that pitch because that's my main goal right now. And, you know, we'll get hundreds of clicks a day. It's very powerful. And looking at my own Instagram account, which is wildly underused. Although maybe if you're, you've been following me during this Bali adventure, maybe I'm posting more often. This is past Brian talking about future Brian. In no way am I promising I have or will do that. I just put a little bit about me. A good template to use is like, I help blank accomplish blank or do blank. I help digital CEOs launch their podcast. I help beauty brands write content for their blogs or whatever. Like I'm just talking about Colleen Welsh, who's a recent guest on our podcast. So just put like, I help blank with blank. It's like a super easy template. And then I put a link to sixfigurecreative.com slash client acquisition. And that's the link that I can track directly to that lead magnet. What Mark was saying earlier about link trees or the equivalent of like link in bio is what I see tons of people do. And the mistake they make is you click the link and there's like 30 things in there. None of them are relevant to what I care about, what I'm looking for, what I want. It's like when I open a cheesecake factory menu, which is like 55,000 options. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to order. This is going to take forever. So now service slows down. The line's backed up at the restaurant. They can't stock all the stuff they need in the kitchen because there's a billion different combinations of things. Nobody knows what they want. It takes forever. The systems are awful. I can't even imagine trying to run a restaurant like that. There was a restaurateur consultant who consults on menus. This is a guy who has sold over, I think it was like $3 billion worth of items from his menus over time. He says the sweet spot for menu items is six. Six items on a menu is the sweet spot. So anyone with more than six items is overwhelming their customers from paralysis by analysis. And under six, you're probably not giving enough options. So if you are going to have a link tree, please, God, don't have more than six options ever. I understand the need for it. I do have, if you go to hood.wtf, which is my link tree link, I have a link tree, but there's one, two, three, four, five, six options on there. Perfect. I didn't even plan that. So a lot of people might be listening and be like, well, you know, he's not doing much social media. I don't have to either. That's not true because your email marketing is so robust. Like I'm on your list because I'm studying. <laughs> you hear from me every single week. I am aware of your existence basically every single day. Even if we weren't friends, I know of you just through your email marketing. So that is why, because you've already built a list and you did a lot of list building primarily through ads, which we'll talk about real quick, but like you have the list now. So you don't have to be on social media. And that's why you have that luxury. A lot of people, if you're like sick of posting every day and like, I get it, he's been able to do that because he has a list. That's the walkaway power. 
If you want real walkaway power in your life and not being tied to posting content every damn day because they're making us at this point to stay relevant, get an email list. Let's talk about other ways to promote this because like putting it in your bio, like in most cases for most people is not going to really generate enough leads to build it in any sustainable way. So second area is if you are like creating content, you have a content marketing plan of some sort where you're releasing regular podcast episodes or YouTube, or even sometimes in your social media content, share a call to action for that lead magnet. I've done it twice in this episode already. I shared the pricing calculator that I, uh, it just came up in the episode, which was sixfigurecreative.com slash calculator. And then I have the client acquisition guide that I shared multiple times. You can do it organically like I have so far, which is just like, it came up. I'm going to talk about it. I'll share it. Or you can have a genuine call to action where you have like at the end of the episode, it's like, now that you know this, the natural next step is for you to download my guide on blank. And that has worked really well for me in the past. With my YouTube channel, I've had videos do as much as 30% of views opted in for my lead magnet. My videos don't get a ton of views. So like it might be 1500 views, but that's still like four or 500 leads from one YouTube video, which is insane. As much as ads cost on YouTube or Facebook right now, that's like thousands of dollars, depending on what you're doing on there, worth of free leads from one video on YouTube. Every single Instagram post that we make, every single TikTok, every single shorts, every single YouTube video, at the end of each description, if you want to start licensing your music, click the link in our bio. Or if you want to start licensing your music, go to thatpitch.com. That's on every single post. The post could be about anything, but we always have that. And it just reminds people, hey, this is the next step. You got to lead the buyer. Don't think that they'll know what to do on, the, on their own. This is the second to last strategy for promotion. And this is not a strategy that I use. I don't think it's a strategy that Mark uses, but it's a strategy I've seen work. Specifically, one of my coaching clients uses this successfully. So I want to mention it or at least share it. But it is a combination of cold outreach, which we kind of talked through on episode 219 with Colleen, where we had the uh, cold outreach masterclass. We did talk about cold outreach, but the strategy was slightly different. She was going straight to pitch in her approach. What my client does is he uses cold outreach to build his email list. And he's getting like 100 people a month on his email list from the strategy where he'll just find people that he knows would need his help. And he reaches out asking if they need any help with blank, the thing that he helps with or his lead magnet helps with. And then he says, awesome, here it is. And then he links them to it. And I think he actually has a PDF that he just attaches in the message to be helpful. And then he says, and by the way, if this other thing might be helpful, here's a link to that as well. He's first adding value in the message. Then he's linking to the funnel that he created. He's just doing this a little bit of time every single day. And this is just a free way for him to do it. I say free, it's taking time because all client acquisition, all lead generation, all list building is either going to take you time or it's going to take you money. There's no such thing as free. That's just one strategy I wanted to mention. Have you seen anyone do that before, Mark? I thought that was an interesting way to do it. I do it. (laughs) Here's the thing. It's like, honestly, I don't suggest it for most people. Unless you have some more walkaway power, it's very easy to come across as desperate if you don't word things right. To be honest, I think it's a good idea to have a little bit of credibility before you do a lot of cold outreach. There's a book called Breakthrough Advertising by Eugene Schwartz. It's one of my favorites of all time. And he talks about the bias of the market. So basically, what are people thinking about you before they even know you? If you just reach out to somebody random and say, hey, do this, do this, you know, like I'm selling this, like whatever. They're like, oh, this is a scammer. I'm going to mark this as spam. So you want to make sure that you're tasteful about it and you have some credibility to back it up because that's the first thing that's going to come to their mind. The other thing is like, that's not a strategy that I consulted him on doing. That's just something he was doing before he even came to me. To me, the classiest strategy is adding value to people's lives, being a go-giver by just creating content that's valuable to your ideal clients. So I'm shifting him to a content marketing strategy. I'm getting him away from this cold outreach, but I just thought it was worth mentioning. And I guess it's not something that either of us necessarily endorse, especially for somebody who's struggling to build their email list. You and I both have built most of our mailing list, or at least I have built most of my mailing list via ads. If you listen to this podcast, there's a high chance you listen to this podcast because you got on my email list because of an ad. So I wanted to talk about it, but it's such a broad topic. I don't know if we can even do it, remotely do it justice. And it's also one of those topics that most people don't have interest in. So I just want to talk about how it pertains to building your email list via promoting a lead magnet. I just want to state this really quick. Everybody overcomplicates ads. I don't really want to contribute too much to this because it is very advanced. I think it needs its own episode and honestly, like learning from you directly um, through Six Figure Creative. But as far as ads are concerned, 
all an ad is, you know, Facebook ads, TikTok ads, YouTube ads, Google ads, whatever, you're basically just paying to create your own algorithm. That's all ads are. And that's why organic reach is so bad. So like Facebook organic reach for pages was amazing. 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 14, 15, around 15, 16, it starts to slow down. 17, it was utter chaos and beyond. You can't reach organic anymore. And that timeline is the complete inverse of how well their ads platform started doing. So as the ads platform gained more and more traction and they saw money signs, they took organic reach away. So the only way to get traction really, truly promote something like a lead magnet is pay to play. There's a couple of things worth noting if you are going to play the Facebook ads game. The first thing is for new people, trust the algorithm to put the ad in front of the right people if you have a broad enough audience. And the audience size for ad set level, which we're getting into nerdy stuff, but if you create an ad set, with an audience size of about one to 5 million people, unless you're local, if it's local, it's a little different, but one to 5 million people. And that's saying like, I'm targeting people who are interested in podcasting, right? Something like that. There's like a, a stupid one, but that's like a broad one. And if I narrow that down to like the age range and the gender that I typically work with in my clients, I'm just saying if I'm a podcast producer, then it might come down to one to 5 million people. If I put my lead magnet in front of those people, Facebook will generally do a really good job of putting it in front of the right people who are interested in this. And the way they know this, assuming you've set up Facebook ads correctly with a pixel, this is all beyond the scope of this episode. Assuming you've done this correctly, as long as you're getting at least 30 to 50 new leads per week, one lead is a conversion. As long as Facebook knows this, they have enough data to optimize the algorithm to put your ad in front of the right people and drive down your ad costs. In my world, I don't know what you pay per lead, Mark, but in my world, I can get leads from one to two bucks or less sometimes. That's mine. I hear people paying $10, $15, $20 for leads in other markets. So it varies wildly in every single market. But I will say, if Facebook does not have enough data, meaning you're only getting two or three conversions, or you're trying to optimize for purchase and sell your services directly through an ad, you will never make it. It will never, ever work in a million years unless you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on ads in a week or two. So what I look at is, what's my cost to get the action I'm looking for? If that's a a new lead, what's the cost of that? Multiply that times 30 to 50, and that's how much you need to spend each week to give them enough data. So if it's going to cost you $2 for a lead, you need to spend at least $60 to $100 a week on ads in order for the algorithm to be optimized, the machine learning algorithm. That's all I'm going to say about it. Anything else to add about this, Mark? So right now, I mean, this past week or two, I'm getting cost per lead at about 97 cents per lead, which is awesome. I'm very happy with that. But here's the thing with ads. It is a multiplier of what you already are. So if your copy sucks, it's going to show. If your funnel sucks, it's going to show. If your offer sucks, it's going to show. If your market sucks, it's going to show. The cool thing about ads, though, is that if you do have a system that works, you have all these skills really well, in a way... It's kind of like being the legal version of a mafia boss because you basically can control what you want and you can like get everything that you need and you just multiply, 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 and you can pay people off. You're basically paying Facebook off. You're paying Instagram off. You're paying TikTok off. You're paying YouTube off to get your desired results. So instead of paying, you know, a crooked cop or something, you're paying off YouTube. Here's the better way of looking at it, in my opinion, is... It is a skill-based slot machine. Unlike a Vegas slot machine where you're putting a dollar in and you're going to get on average like, I don't know, 80, 90 cents out on average. Like, I don't know what the actual results are, but over a long enough time horizon, you will be guaranteed to lose money in a Vegas slot machine because it's rigged. In this slot machine, it is a skills-based slot machine. The better you are at copywriting, the better you are at targeting, at messaging, at knowing your target market, at creating a valuable lead magnet, at creating good funnels that convert. The better you are at all these skills, the more profitable it's going to be. So if you are good enough at all the things, it is literally a slot machine that you put a dollar in, you can get $2 out. My return on ad spend for my career is like, I can't even calculate at this point, but it's four or five X. So if I've spent $300,000 on ads, I have profited back somewhere from a million to 1.2, 1.5 million back on that. And that's just what I can roughly track. That's not even full attribution on everything because People will join your mailing list today and buy three to five years from now sometimes or hire you three to five years from now. And that is return on ad spend, but it's so far removed from the ad that you can't track it anymore. <laughs> Last thing is this. Okay, if you're still listening, if you're still with us today, hopefully you still are, you're serious about building a mailing list. You have created a valuable lead magnet, step one. You've created a funnel to promote that lead magnet, step two. 
You have promoted it in some way, shape, or form. Maybe you're playing with ads. Maybe you're doing cold outreach, which we don't necessarily recommend. We talked about it. Maybe you're sharing it in the content you create. Maybe you have friends that can promote it for you. I don't know. But now you've built the mailing list. What do you do with it? Let's talk about what we can do with this list once we have it. I think the first thing, this actually isn't on our outline, Mark, but it's worth talking about, is cleaning the list, especially if you're doing paid ads. How often do you clean your list? It's all dependent on what my open rates are. And for a period of time after I changed titles and stuff like that. But for a while, I was cleaning it maybe every quarter. Now it's, it's looking like once or twice a year. So what I do is if they have not engaged in any way, shape or form in six months time, I just remove them from the list. You can do it more often, but six months is a good, easy time to do it. But the thing is, it is the last resort. I try to fix everything I can first. I send specific emails to people who are not, you know, messaging back or whatever. And then I try to incentivize them. I give free things. And only if they're just like really not having it, then I remove them. Yeah, there's the famous, I think it's like a nine word email or something. It's just, are you still interested in blank? Six word email. That's what it is. There's no call to action. It's just those six words. Are you still looking for blank or are you still interested in blank? That gets the best reply rate of anything. And that's like the last email that gets sent before I remove them from my list. And the whole point of that though, is to keep your open rates high so that you're not getting dinged or getting any negative strikes against you from whatever email marketing platform you're using to send emails. So that's kind of like the first thing to talk about there. Mine is literally quote, yo, we're about to remove you reply. That's literally what it says. (laughs) That could be even a second to last dish effort. Like after the, are you still interested thing? Say, yo, you're getting removed. Reply or die. <laughs> don't say that. Don't say reply or die. Okay, so you've got this list though. You've, you're cleaning it. So you're not, you don't have this dirty list. And honestly, like for leads that I pay for, I'm actually a little more aggressive. Like I have an automated lead nurture sequence, which is actually the first step. Once they go through that, we'll talk about what that is in a second if you know what that is. But once they go through that, if they've not engaged in any way, shape or form and they're a lead I purchased on an ad, I'll still clean them off. Reason being is your open rates are generally way lower for paid ads than they are for like organic. And I just don't want a bunch of dead leads on my list. So I actually clean paid leads off because a lot of times people sign up through fake or spoof email accounts. And I just don't want those on my list. Assuming we've got all that done, create an automated lead nurture campaign. This is the series of emails that goes out when someone signs up for your lead magnet. And it's the same for every single person. And for you, Mark, I don't know how long yours is or how you do yours. We can talk about that, but it needs to be what I call like six to 12 days long. It can be longer. It can be shorter but it needs to be emails that start out every day. I think I've heard it's called the Fibonacci sequence. It starts off every day and then gradually gets further and further apart until you get out to a good natural cadence of like, for me, it's weekly. I want my list to hear from me weekly. Less than that. And they start to think, be like, who the hell is this guy? I forgot who I even signed up for this. But if you don't email daily when you first start out, you don't become a familiar face. You become a spam complaint. If you become a spam complaint, you get blocked or banned or suspended on your email marketing platform. So it is best to email more often starting out. People can unsubscribe if they don't want the emails and then to slow it down gradually so that you're not burning them out and you're not burning yourself out. Anything else around creating the automated lead nursery campaign? Yeah, so I've kind of like always followed the same sort of formula with my email automation. You know, I I do a lead magnet, so I'm giving out something for free, right? That free thing is to get them to, you know, eventually buy something, right? That, you know, ultimately helps them more. So what I typically have always done is I have a five-day email funnel the first couple of days is, you know, talking more about the topic, educating. And then later on, I offer some sort of deal for us to work or whatever I need as the action for purchase. The next week or two, you know, it's adding more, you know, maybe every other two days. And then it, it kind of, again, gradually slows down after a month or excuse me, two months. And then it's just once a week. That's good. I have a slightly different one I use for freelancers. And this is one that I teach in my coaching program. I'll talk through it here. I'll give you a way to get the funnel that I created for this and to get kind of this outline and and pre-built automation that I have in here. And I'll actually screen share it. If you're watching on YouTube, you can actually see this. But this automation is part of a pre-built sequence that is what happens after you deliver the email, the lead magnet they signed up for. Then there is usually a two-hour delay that I tell people to use, two-hour delay. And then it's called a probe email. A probe email is an email that goes out that just says, hey, I saw that you're interested in blank. Let me know what you're looking to get out of it. It's just a super simple email. It's like really short and it's just trying to get a reply. That's the whole goal of that. Then you wait a day. Then email one on day one is an email that's all about setting expectations. And this email is just, what can you expect from me? What's my promise to you as the person is now on my email list that's trusting me for this lead magnet? What can you expect from me? You're just writing out like, 
how often you're going to email them, what kind of topics you're going to talk about, and you're trying to build desire so that they want to open their future emails or that they go ahead and unsubscribe if they're not interested. <laughs> I'm not afraid of unsubscribes. I'm fully okay with you unsubscribing from my email list. It keeps me from having to clean you off. It keeps you from having to pay for you because every email service provider, email marketing platform makes you pay depending on how many subscribers you have. Easy funnels, you get a free hundred, I think. And then after that, you have to pay. MailChimp, similar. They have a free amount that you have up to a certain amount and then they make you pay after that. And then platforms like ActiveCampaign are just like, nope, from day one, you're paying us. So you don't necessarily want a bigger email list. You want one that's just active. So setting expectations day one, just let them know what's coming up soon and what they can expect from you. Day two is an email I call invite to content. This is where you are, if you are a content creator or you are creating content as part of your marketing efforts, invite them to that so that they can connect deeper with you. So like for us, it's the podcast. You're listening to the podcast right now. I want as many people as possible to listen to this podcast because that's where you can learn the most. That's where you can make the biggest changes in your life if you're consistently consuming this stuff and changing your mind about things that you were wrong about, learning about new concepts, hearing from people like Mark or our guests each week on like how they can improve their businesses. If I can genuinely change your life, I know that it's going to be much easier to sell you on something like my coaching program. So day two, invite to content. I'm not everyone's creating content. So you can skip that if you want, or it can just be follow me on social media because everyone has a social media account of some sort. Day three is sell them on the vehicle. And this requires a little bit of explanation. The vehicle is what it is that you're selling that gets them to their destination. It's not your service, but if I'm a podcast producer, I have to first sell them and reinforce that they need a podcast in their business before I can sell them my service for podcast production. So all of us have these things. Like if I am a music producer, I have to sell them that a well-produced single is going to help blow their career up. So I'm selling them on the vehicle of a professionally produced single. Every industry has the vehicle we're selling. So we have to reinforce that in the day three email. Day four, case study. If you have a really good case study to talk them through about a transformation you helped a client through that got them to the ultimate result that is appealing to your other ideal clients, share the case study. And then at this point, I tend to delay it out two days and send a day six email, which is like overcoming objections. Like every single industry there's something that's holding them back from needing your service or wanting your service. And these are called objections. And objections are things that are generally false beliefs. Sometimes they are legitimate beliefs. One objection can keep somebody from ever wanting your service or hiring you for the service that you offer. So for you, Mark, in that pitch, what's a common objection you get for your business that pitch? Yeah, people think sync licensing isn't real or like attainable for the average producer or artist. So they think like, oh, well, I can't do it because like, for whatever reason, I don't have those opportunities. I'm not going to land deals. There must be like scams out there or whatever, or they're going to take a big percentage. So here's the secret. Day four, the case study, you bring a case study of a common pleb producer who nobody knows who got landed a placement and made some good money from that. Day five or day six, this overcoming objections email, you talk through how everyone seems to think that this is a scam. Here's the actual reality of this. And you talk through and you crush that objection, that number one objection that people have. The first couple of days, I'm just like, yeah, these are the problems. Watch this. And then like this, somebody who made like 50 grand through us or whatever. It's just like, keep going. It's like, we're doing this, we're doing that. And then it's like, hey, you want to sign up? Here's a deal. And it's, it's very similar. To that. Then we have another day's delay. And then we're on to day seven. So this is seven days after they sign up to your email list. You send an email that's literally just demonstrating expertise. So you need to prove that you know what you're talking about. And you generally want to do this in a way that's helpful for them. I'm not going to walk you through the whole way that I would do this. But generally, if you're a photographer, what's your process? How do you do things? What is something that they need to know before they come work with you? What are these common mistakes that are made? Things like that. Talking about common mistakes, that's probably the easiest way to demonstrate expertise. If I were to say like, what are the common mistakes people make when they're trying to build their email list? I could have a whole series on that. What about when it comes to running ads? I could have a whole series and every one of these mistakes that I'm helping people avoid demonstrates my expertise in my subject of marketing. Then there's another two-day delay. See how we're kind of spacing things out a bit more. Day nine, and this is the last email of the automated series. And this is what I call low-hanging fruit is just make a clear offer. Say, hey, this is what I do. This is who I do it for. This is the kind of person I tend to work with. Are you interested? Yes or no? Check yes. Check yes or no. Remember the country song? You think this is how love goes? Check yes or no. Wow. He's showing his Alabama. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm born and raised, boy, boy, boy. But that, I mean, that's it in a nutshell. Like obviously we didn't get to do justice. Maybe I could do a whole masterclass on that if somebody wants it. Again, just kind of talk about my coaching program that's enrolling soon if I'm not already is like, that's one of the things that we help people implement is that exact strategy. But 
once they get past the automated series, then you have to go to what we call ongoing nurturing. This is the long-term game, the long game. Anyone who's in this business for the long-term business, they're not in it for short income. They're not in it for short-term profits. They're not in it for the feast or famine roller coaster. They want stability. They want predictability. Then you have to become a stable, predictable human being if that's what you want in your business. And part of that is ongoing emails to your email list. If you suck at this, if you don't want to do this, go hire a copywriter. Even a low-tier Fiverr copywriter, which is not necessarily what you want, it's better than nothing. So hire any copywriter, worst case scenario, or just suck it up, learn the skill and send one email a week. It's better than nothing. And if you are a content creator, if you have a YouTube channel, if you have a podcast, if you are creating things regularly, a blog, then that's your one chance per week to send an email manually. Are there any other times that you tend to send emails like other than promotional periods or things and you're, you're advertising something or you're sharing a new lead magnet or something? This is more like often that you're talking about, but a lot of times if somebody has achieved success with us, we send a whole email automation series with that. So like when people land placements with us, they land like sync licensing placements. It's like hundreds of times a month. So we send automations talking about that to the person who landed like, all right, next steps. This is how to get the most out of it. Do this, then do that. And it's been great and it helps people succeed more and they love us more for it. Yep. So this has been a doozy of an episode. There's just so much to cover. Like I hate to say it, but business is not easy. It is difficult. There's a lot to learn. We're going to have to get out of our comfort zone as creatives in order to learn some of these skills. I'm not saying, by the way, that every creative on earth needs an email list. But what I am saying is that nearly every creative on earth, every creative I know, has had email marketing used against them. It is used to sell to them. It is used to convince them to buy something they may or may not need, something that is either valuable for them or, or suckering them into something. But I want you to use this in your own power to build your business. It is a wonderful asset to have. And if this episode didn't convince you of it, then I don't know what else to tell you. This is part of a client acquisition machine. If you want to see all the parts for this, if you want to see all of the the three main elements of client acquisition, this is just a part of that overall machine. You can get my client acquisition guide. I've mentioned it earlier in this episode by going to sixfigurecreative.com slash CAC. That is interesting because the funnel that you land on that page This will actually walk you through some of the stuff we've talked about today. You will get the lead magnet. You will get follow-up emails. You will get to see behind the scenes. It's like you get to see what I do and you also see how I do it in that one funnel itself, which is why I'm sharing that lead magnet. And then it's even funnier. If you go to our show notes for this episode, sixfigurecreative.com slash 222, then you can actually get the link to that exact funnel that you just signed up to as a template in EasyFunnels. So if you're not an EasyFunnels user, awesome. This is a great place to start. If you are an EasyFunnels user, you can actually use this email in your account straight off the bat. So there's so much for this, man. For us to do this on a Friday, end of day, end of the week, a few days before I head to Bali, like this was a doozy, man. Like I wasn't expecting this to go this deep, but like, I hope this helps somebody out there. Somebody who's serious about their business. We're such givers, bro. We're such givers. You know what? You got to listen to this 10 times. I swear to God, you're going to make a million dollars. No, but seriously, this is a good episode. It was definitely deep. But that's what business is. Like, if it's easy and people say it's easy, then, I mean, it's probably like, you know, cryptocurrency where people are like, you're going to make a million dollars. Then, And then you real businesses take a while to build up and they stay. That's a true asset. 